I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What is going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. As you know, if you've been listening with us, I am James Milley, the managing partner and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the US, and one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of your art. Today, we have got Carol Scavato with us on the mic. Carol is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to exhibit globally. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what she has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ADP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine art fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. All right, so we are back here with Carol Scavato, and we are ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Carol Scavato is a mixed-media conceptual artist addressing feminist issues. Carol lives and works in Rhode Island. She has participated in several art fairs, including the Fountain Art Fair, Clio Art Fair, and yours truly, Superfine Art Fair. She has also exhibited with galleries showing at the Affordable Art Fair in Amsterdam, uh, the CICA Museum in Korea, Asia Contemporary Art Fair in Hong Kong, and Art Busan in Busan, Korea. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Carol. Thank you so much for having me, James. Absolutely. Uh, Now, before we dive into it, Carol, I just want to ask you something to help our listeners get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art? Huh, that's an interesting, very, very interesting question. And I'd have to say, it's so... um, insignificant in a way, but so significant, very, very young and sewing. Actually, I graduated as a sculptor. So I worked with my hands and my grandmother, you know, most grandmothers knew how to, how to sew. And that's who I, who I learned to sew from. And it was very, very young that, that she'd let me play with her sewing machine. And I would create little dresses for paper dolls that I made. And she's, she's the one who said to me, you may be a fashion designer or a very famous artist. And I was probably four or five years old. That was the first time that the word artist was used to me. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. That does. And I love that story. I love the um, uh, the foresight that she had. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's wonderful to hear. And definitely, I think just having that affirmation from such a young age, um, just from other guests on the podcast, seems like such an important part of of an artist's journey kind of growing up it's not even so much about access to materials it's more just that support system so definitely i think that's uh wonderful to hear um and let's go ahead let's dive into the rest of the questions that we have for you 
so Carol, uh, your silk paintings, they evoke sensuality and strength, and they focus on empowering the female. Why is painting in traditional Japanese shunga the most fruitful medium for you? And also, for those listening, could you kind of talk a little bit more about uh, that shunga uh, painting style? Sure. So I grew up basically with Japanese art and um, illustrations around me, as well as a lot of fashion magazines. And I've always been fascinated, very fascinated with Asian art because of the line, the fluidity of the line. And people have always been the subject of my work. And I've changed mediums a lot. And Asian art has, there's a a dance quality to the line that I don't find in other art forms. And it's almost like if you look at Asian calligraphy, the fluidness of painting with a brush as opposed to a pen or pencil is something that speaks to me and is very, very comforting for me to work in that, in that line. It, it kind of just runs on the same vibration as I do. The shunga itself is very, very different actually than what I'm doing, although it's a similar look. Their focus is extremely on genitals. Um, if you know the history of, of Shunga, it's genitals, the genitals are the same size as the heads. My work is very different because there are no <laughs> genitals. No genitals in my work at all. <laughs> um, I definitely love everything that you were saying about kind of that dance quality that the line has in, in the style of work that you make. Um, and I would say that even when you're kind of working in these different media that I've seen you work in, Carol, uh, that would be the consistency across them is kind of this, this very strong line that kind of grounds the work. And then, uh, and then from there you kind of let the medium take over. Um, but, but I love that that's kind of the root that you have. And I love your explanation of how it, it gives that motion to the piece. It gives that, uh, uh, familiarity almost like with, with how you, um, were surrounded by it growing up. So that's, that's wonderful to hear. And the, um, the lines with Japanese work with working with such sensual work, trying to do that and putting Western faces on them. Cause people have asked me, why don't you do this with this style work with a Western face? And it's kind of, I don't quite know how to ex- explain it, except that it turns it into something that's, that's so misconstrued by um, turning it into whatever, a blonde American girl with a, a bob haircut. It right. breaks the line, if you will. It breaks the whole line. It breaks the whole storyline. It breaks the whole rhythm. So it is, a, it is an ancient, um, not ancient, but it's a very old traditional style of work. I'm doing it in an entirely different medium because I'm not doing it as a block, um, as prints. I'm doing it with a very, very sensuous material of silk, which the substrate actually lends itself to the, to the narrative. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's sort of, you're already, um, making it a little more contemporary by kind of taking this style and, playing with it in a different medium. I, I like that you stay traditional and true to uh, 
kind of the figures that are are typically in it, uh, which is um, which is which is great to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, very exciting. So the next question I have for you, Carol. So uh, your work it shows frequently in Asia. Uh, so in your opinion, how can incorporating different cultural styles uh, advance uh, kind of this inclusivity in in the art world? Well, I, I thought of that question when it came when when I've been thinking about that question quite a bit, actually. And my intention was not in order to do something very globally noble, but I think it's a very important thing that um, bringing in outside outside of your own little circle of knowledge for anything broadens your own perspective as well as broadens the 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 depth of the depth of the work because if whatever i went to school abc and we all have abc work and everybody looks the same you went to xyz and all your work looks the same so keeping work that's insular whether it's a town a city a country becomes homogenized and becomes sterile by working from other pulling from other cultures that are maybe not your own which is not my own but working from another culture's point of view i'm reinterpreting what I'm taking out of it, which was not maybe their intentions, but I'm reinterpreted in a different way. So it's kind of like having spaghetti and um, egg rolls at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. And it definitely, I I love that perspective on it. And it it really turns it into this conversation where you're taking this, um, this cultural perspective, you're bringing your own perspective to it. And that's creating something new versus like you were saying, if you're allowing your work to stay very insular and it's only your own background, it's almost more like you're talking at people with what you already know Mm -hmm. um, versus interacting with people. So, Mm -hmm. and and cultures. And so I think that that's really exciting that, you know, even if you hadn't been thinking about it, I mean, that comes across in your work and, and it's ultimately, uh, it attracts kind of both sides It you know, you're able to go and exhibit your work in Asia and be having this conversation with people where you're not only sharing your perspective, but you're also, um, sh- like you're sharing your own thoughts on, uh, their perspective, which is, which is very exciting. Which is almost mirroring back to them. Um, uh, like if you met me on the street and didn't know me, how you would appear to how your opinion of me would be like, oh, she is this, that, or the other thing. So my creating work in someone else's style is me mirroring back what I'm taking out of it. Um, it just So that's what I'm seeing from it, as opposed to if I was brought up that way, I would probably be doing contemporary Asian art. <laughs> right, and right. not what I'm doing right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, Carol, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and chat a little bit more about kind of the business side of art. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you a bit about blogs. So how can including an active blog on your art site advance art sales by uh, helping people come back to your website? Well, now that's another, also another interesting question. I've ha- I had a blog for quite a few years and had quite a following from it. And 
I found that with social media, especially over the last two years with, with the pandemic and everybody's been home, everyone is so flooded with so much information in their inbox that people were reading it less um, or maybe opening it less. Where on social media, I, I'm on social media quite frequently and I keep it really short. So you can breeze by me and go, oh, Carol did this today, Carol did that today. So I've kind of backed away from the blog and I'm using social media somewhat as a blog to, to, and each one I have has a different personality. Each of the social media things I have, have, have a different personality. I'm not sure if that answered your question. Yeah, no, it's actually kind of interesting, uh, that you're, you're backing backing away from the, the blog platform. Uh, right. I can definitely attest that <laughs> my, my inbox is a, a place of stress for me. Um, so, yeah. um, and I would say that just with, you know, the different, uh, the different options out there. So there's social media, there's blogs, there's newsletters, there's, you know, all sorts of different ways that you can be sharing your work with people. Um, but I think that just finding which options work best for you, uh, something that we talk about a lot is the 80, 20 method where basically instead of trying to do a little of everything, really hone in on just a couple things that work best for you. Um, and that can be different for, for different people. It's not always like, oh yes, Instagram is absolutely the only thing that you should be doing as an artist. Ultimately, the best thing to do is, is test it out, see what is working for you, uh, and then just do more of the things that are working best for you. And I agree with you on that. And I think for artists just starting out or artists trying to go to the next level, you do have to try out all the different social media, uh, social platforms and try out a blog if you have that kind of a, a following that will open your email. Um, but a lot of people just don't have the time in the day. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> more than like, a, you know, if I got a sentence, I'll read it. But if it's a whole paragraph, I, I just don't have time. I'll get back to it. And people often don't. But, mm -hmm. you know, some people, Facebook is the great part. And that's where I show my cats and this, that and the other thing. So I, I share different things on different ones. But to try each one of them out to a certain level and see where your audience is, because it might surprise you. And I'm su I'm surprised that I'm finding a very pretty strong um, following on TikTok, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is not what I expected. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, well, very exciting. Uh, we are going to come right back and Carol is going to tell you more about what you want to know about exhibiting in art fairs and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. So Carol, you are a frequent participant in art fairs. 
So from your perspective, what are three reasons that you felt compelled to participate in a fair? Well, I think if you don't try them, to, or let's, let me start that over. As far as participating in art fairs, a lot of artists shy away from them because they're, they're an expense for, for all artists. They're an expense, an expense in time and money. But at the same time, that's the only way for me or initially to make contacts. So I don't always consider art fairs as a main selling route, although that is what your main goal is to at least break even and come out with money, but as a main networking and way to have your um, audience and your collectors find you. Because you may not, you may not, you may leave an art fair and have sold one thing, 10 things, nothing. But a month later, somebody goes, well, I saw it a week ago. I saw it last week. So the, the amount of feedback that comes from art fairs is usually takes a long time to, to know what the actual benefits have been. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that at Superfine, that's uh, one of the most important things with the fair too. Definitely selling art is, is a really good goal to have. Um, and a lot of art does sell at Superfine. Every fair that we have, there's more art that sells. Um, but definitely the biggest benefit is meeting new people, making those connections that are going to last uh, for, for years to come. Uh, and like you were, you were saying, having that uh, platform where you can be building up uh, an audience is, mm -hmm. is uh, it's a great opportunity for artists. Definitely it's an expense in both time and money, um, but also uh, not gaining uh, any any collectors or any contacts is, uh, you know, you're going to be living life and, and spending money on just living life and waiting for your art career to kick off. So uh, definitely making that uh, investment uh, is is oftentimes worth it for artists. Well, and I think that's, it, I, like I said, a lot of artists shy away from it because they are very, they're exhausting. And, and you know that as well or better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, but it's also a, a time when somebody can buy my work from my Etsy store. Somebody can buy my work from a gallery, but I haven't seen your reaction. So by being at an art fair and you're the one selling your work or being there with your work, you're also seeing people's reaction nakedly, a naked reaction to your work because they, they may not know who you are or may or may not know who you are. They come up, you just are reading the, because I read people quite well. That's kind of, if you look at my work, I'm always reading people, but you're watching people look at your work. And so you're getting a lot of, you're getting an enormous amount of, if you, if you will, an art critique <laughs> from a huge amount of people that just walk by, whether they take the work home or not, you're getting a lot of feedback. Um, and usually very, a lot of chit chat feedback, but you're just getting even visual feedback. If you're watching people look at your work. Absolutely. And that's, that's another huge benefit of an art fair is being able to get this real time feedback, like you're saying, and it's not just, you know, a uh, number of likes or anything like that. You're really getting to see like which pieces people are, are gravitating towards when you mention the price or when they see the price, are they like, you know, are they hesitating? Are they going for it? And maybe it's like a little too low or is it, you know, they're, they're kind of just not even considering it and they're walking away and then you know, oh, my price is way too high. 
So you can kind of really take that real-time feedback. And like you said, it's it's kind of like this, this mass groupthink art critique of your work, um, which is going to be so helpful for your career. Uh, absolutely. It really is. And in, in, it can be... It, it can be um, so rewarding because people will interact with you. Different different pieces that I've had, people have spent hours interacting with about one piece or another piece, and some of them own them, some of them don't. But if you, for me, if I can make a person have a reaction to my artwork, that's kind of my goal. Um, not just I'm not trying to make something to go over your couch, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by being there in person, it's 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 entirely different different thing it's it's well worth it if you haven't if you haven't done an art fair and superfine is a great art fair to to start with to end with to do the only one you do because it has <laughs> it does have a, a diverse group that's one of the things that i i look for when i am choosing art fairs to do is that who they attract as an audience um and each art fair does wind up with a personality, just like every artist has a personality, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and art fairs each have their own personalities. The, I've been involved in a lot of art fairs that I have not participated in in person because they were um, in Asia and other places that I couldn't get to. And so my reaction from that is third hand, second, I guess second hand. And it's not the same. Um, if I could get on the plane, if I could, basically, if I could afford to go to all of them, I would be there, but I can afford, my work travels more than I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's not the same. I know I have the following there, but somebody else is getting the, the benefit of the one-on-one -on -one reaction about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, and thank you for the compliments on, the, on Superfine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, that actually leads me really nicely to the next question. And Carol, I think that uh, you, of, of a lot of people, would have a really good opinion of this just based on how many fairs you have done. But uh, what are three traits that you look for when you're choosing an art fair to show in? And I, I know that you were just starting to mention that, but if you'd like to uh, kind of go into more detail on that. Sure, sure. So one of them is how long that how long they've been around because usually i don't do an art fair if it's their first time out of the gate because you have no idea what they're going to do um but usually by the second year you can have a, an idea of the kind of crowd that they are going to attract also i do look at what their price points are to a certain extent and whether my work fits within that price point I also like to try and look at the other artists that are in the group and see if I'm going to be compatible without being um, competitive. And my work really is has to be com compatible because it's not really competitive with anyone because I'm doing work that's so remotely different from others. And so it has to have a compatibility. So, so an art fair that has a diverse enough personality would my that way voice would be heard i i think that those are three really good criteria carol um and again just uh re recapping for everyone so basically uh how long the art fair has been around and carol mentioned that usually by the second year you can get a sense of the audience uh what price points uh of art not only of art that's available at the fair but i would say what art is actually selling so looking for those 
you know, red or in our case, pink sold dot stickers yeah. and seeing like what is selling at the fair and if your art fits into that price range. And then similarly with the other artists in the fair um, is your work. And I like what you said. Is it compatible but not competitive? Um, mm-hmm. I think really, really good way to look at it. Uh, for anyone wondering, so to kind of answer those for Superfine, uh, Superfine's been around since 2015. Uh, the work that sells best in Superfine is between $500 and $2,500. Um, we have a price cap of 15000 on the high end and kind of a, a price uh, starting point of $100 on the low end. Uh, and then uh, besides that, uh, the work in the fair, it's all emerging to mid-career level artists who uh, all are showing contemporary work. Um, that's That's kind of a starting point. And then if you look at photos and videos of the past fairs, you can get a sense of the more specific styles of art in the fair. But uh, Carol, I think that those are three excellent uh, criteria to be looking for uh, when deciding what fair to do. Um, But yeah, thank you. The, The last question I have for you, Carol, is what is one way for artists out there to rev up their art career? Well, I would say to first of all, find your voice. And that sounds very trite, <laughs> especially if you are um, not age-wise, but a year into a career and you're, you're trying, trying all different things. But to find a voice and to be able to stand behind your voice, whether, whether you're getting pushback or not, of like, why are you doing that? Why shouldn't, why, you know, I'd rather you be doing this because there's always going to be somebody that wants you to do something else. So first of all, to to establish what you're trying to do and what your what your goals of creating art. If it's for yourself, that's one thing. If you're trying to do it and actually have it be a business, then you have to pay attention to who is looking at your work and why. And so some of the things that I find helpful are on social media. If you have business accounts, you can often do ads and actually see analytics as far as who looks at your work and whether they bought it or not. And uh, you can see who is who the demographics are, who is who are following you, and that's very helpful. So you can target a little bit in on that, um, as well as I find that just recently, actually, I should say for myself, but by having a, um, an online store, mine is Etsy and, and I sell on Saatchi as well. And some people like to sell right off of their website, and you can also sell off of um, Instagram and other places. And I take it to the point of, would I buy something from an Instagram person? Maybe not. Etsy has a little level of um, protection that if for whatever reason, I don't like it. So I feel like I'm buying from a store. So I buy a lot from Etsy just because if I don't like it, there's a little recourse. So I would, even if you're not going to set up a store, make some place that your your prices are visible, whether you want to put them on your website. And if, and the other thing I would suggest is no one is good at everything. And I know what I'm good at and I know what I have to hire people to do. And if you can make your own website, go for it. <laughs> and it can be simple. And if you don't want your prices on it, have it, have it put in a separate place. You can find my prices here because a lot of people don't like them together. But people should be able to, I think, be able to find your prices at some place. I think that's incredible advice. And definitely, like you were saying, for for a lot of artists out there, if your social media accounts are business accounts, you have access to those insights. 
Um, I know that I don't look at them enough for my own work. So if, uh, if you're not looking at those, definitely take some time to look at those and see what your audience really looks like, where they are, age range, as much information as you can. And then you can tailor, um, the work that you're making to them. If, if you, if you choose to do so, um, definitely agree on having the prices listed on your website. Um, and having, having that website, but also just having your prices listed somewhere. If you don't already, that is, it's such a confidence boost as an artist, because then when someone is asking, Hey, how much does your art cost? You don't have to feel like you're making up a price and, and you kind of, you don't have as much of that barrier to sharing a price where you feel guilty about it. Right. Um, you right. can be like, no, it's this price. It exists on the internet. It's there for everyone to see. This is the price. And so you can be a little more forthright about it. Um, so and, I think that that's so good, Carol. And in the way that, um, if, I think most artists have a hard time doing that. Uh, artists have a hard time pricing their work. And so somebody will help you. There's many formulas, but whatever you, if you decided that your work is worth a hundred dollars or a million dollars and whatever formula you've come up with, and I can't say you can't, um, work with people on a price, work with people on lay, layaway plans if you have expensive work, things like that. But to be able to have, for me anyways, because it's always been like, oh, it's good. It's always been hard for me to actually say it's it's a million dollars and, and not 10. And um, by having it on an outside place, you've seen the price. Now, if you want to talk to me still, then the con that conversation has already been removed as far as like, well, how much is it? And you look going, looking at somebody going, well, maybe, I don't know, $100 and yeah, turning yeah. into a shy little person. Um, the it, price is already out there. So if you if it's not in your comfort zone, then we can just chat about something else. Right, exactly. The, the moment that someone realizes that you're making up the price, then they have all the room in the world to negotiate. And so you can, you could say, Oh, yeah, it's, you know, I, uh, how about $150? Then they can be like, how about $25? <laughs> and, and it's really just, you know, you're, you're not going to, it's not going to feel as real and legitimate. So um, having that price out there, it just adds that uh, legitimacy, like not only to other people, but to yourself with your, to yourself. With your art career. That, it like, really hey, does. This it, is it, real. This is something you're doing. <laughs> so, and um, the other, the other layer to that for myself anyway, is to be able to separate your creative being from your marketing business person. Uh, because if they're too tied together, when you're trying to sell your work, now you're selling, Oh, this is beautiful. And I made it. And it your little girl voice or your little child voice comes right out going, and I made it. Um, but to separate it out, the, the, the creative work and the emotional work is one end of it. The other end is, is now a product you're selling on the other end. And to, to look at it as a product. Yeah, no. And I, I think that just especially because art is so personal. I mean, there's, there's some artists that ask me, like, how, how do you not only sell something, but like, how do you give away something that you made? So for a lot of times, selling art can just feel very personal. And right. to let it be a little less personal when it comes time for that actual transaction is really helpful for just having your art career grow. Because mm -hmm. again, you're, you're not tying yourself up in it. And people will take advantage of that where 
when it's you selling your own work, they will, you know, they'll try to like haggle, they'll, they'll try to cut the price in half. Um, and so letting it be where it's just, no, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that you made it. Like it still has a, a price to it. That's going to make such a big difference. And it, again, it'll just, it'll, you're going to feel like a real business artist if you do that. And that's true. And so by being able to do that and separate yourself as the business person and the artist, and we're, we're all everything, <clears throat> but you also have to make yourself visible. <laughs> so whether you live in, in a little town or you live in, in the middle of Manhattan or the middle of Hong Kong, wherever you are, you can still be invisible. So you have, you actually have to be the one. And a lot of people are shy. I'm not one, but a lot of people are shy. And <laughs> to, <laughs> to be able to, if it's really difficult for you to go to an opening, if it, I know right now that's hard with, with, with all the pandemic and things like that, but to make yourself visible to collectors and to the art world, make yourself go to a, par- like a party or, or an opening and have that glass of wine. Don't stand in the corner. Talk to somebody. Talk to them about their shoes if you if that's the easiest thing. But make yourself a, a visible person. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And and again, whatever that means for you, based on where you live, if if it's something uh, in that area, or if it's it it can even be reaching out virtually. It can be you know putting yourself in in settings where you're going to be meeting someone on social media. Um, but ultimately. Carol's advice of just putting yourself out there because otherwise you're going to be invisible. I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had friends who don't ever really leave their apartment, wonder why, like they don't have a, you know, a boyfriend or whatever. And it's like, well, the first step is having people know you exist and then, and then, you know, you're going to have that thing you want happen. So you want to be selling more art. People have to first know that it exists and then they can decide if they want to spend the money on it and you can be taking measures to help them decide. But first things first, they need to know you exist. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, to uh, to all of you business artists out there, Carol has been here with us sharing her amazing perspective. Uh, you can listen to this in all of our past podcasts on our website at www.superfine.world. To connect with Carol, you can follow her at uh, Carol Scavato on Instagram and also carolscavato.com. Uh, both of those links will be in the show notes. As always, remember that we are Superfine Art Fair on Instagram and we always appreciate you sharing uh, your uh, feelings and your enjoyment of the podcast whenever you have a chance. Uh, we especially appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts. Um, that's the main way that artists find out about the, uh, about the artist business plan. Um, and as always, I'd like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Uh, today's quote is by Ray Bradbury. And the quote is, don't think thinking is the enemy of creativity. It's self-conscious and anything self-conscious is lousy. You can't try to do things. You simply must do things. I like that quote. (laughs) Um, Carol, it has been such a pleasure having you here with us today. Thank you again for sharing your perspective. And for that, we are so grateful. Thank you so much, James. I look forward to seeing you again. Absolutely. I can't wait to see you again soon. Uh, Everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.